Good evening. Good. Why, hi. How you doing? Hello. Super. Super. <laughs> He's Super Dave. <laughs> the pre-show, I'm just going to isolate Carney's laughing and just do that for 20 seconds. <laughs> I just love the way Dave drips sarcasm. <laughs> what that was? There was no sarcasm. Pure, pure genuine feelings of sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast. I'm Rob Fiorandino, and I'm here with my crazy co-hosts, Carney and Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. And hello, Carney. Hello. Let's do a dedicated nerds podcast. We have a little bit of follow-up to start with. Uh, Instapot. Dave, you've had your Instapot for, what, two, three weeks now? Maybe even longer. What's so radically awesome about the Instapot? Do, do tell. Fill us in on some details. Well, I've tried to been trying to keep a list of some of the differences. Basically, it's a crock pot that does things super fast. Um, and speed is not really always of the essence around here, but it is kind of nice to uh, put stuff in, push the button, take it out 15 minutes later, and be done, rather than set it on the counter for eight hours. So that is kind of nice. Wow. Well, um, that seems awesome. Yeah. So, and another thing, I mean, again, compare, this is basically direct comparison with the crock pot. Um, the crock of a pot is typically pretty large and heavy and a little bit difficult to clean. And the Instapot uh, liner container is small and light and easy to clean. So that's kind of a plus for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and... Especially during the summer, you know, the Instapot's going to be pulling a thousand watts for fifteen minutes instead of two hundred and fifty for eight hours. So a lot less air conditioning impact there. Nice. How's the uh, how's the food uh, that comes out of it? Is it? I mean, is it is it the same as you'd get out of a crock pot, or different, or what? Well, a lot of things we've done, uh, we probably could do in the crock pot. And I would consider them the same. Um, well, for example, chili. When we make chili in the crock pot, we we eat it on day one, but it's much tastier on day two if it's ha- been in the refrigerator, had a chance for the uh, flavors to mingle. And yeah, that's not and just crock pot chili either. Right. So, in the case of the Instapot, you know, you're only having them mingle for fifteen or twenty minutes, but then you put it in the fridge. Next day, as far as I can tell, just as good as a crock pot. And so you don't lose a lot of the, that, that crock pot problem as long as you do what we do, which is mo- mostly eat it on not day one. So, now Are there any foods that um, are unique to the Instapot or, or better with the Instapot? Well... So there's some stuff that uh, we do in the Instapot that you wouldn't do in a crock pot. You could do them in other things. Um, steaming asparagus. You know, basically, that you take it up to pressure and you immediately release the pressure or you've overcooked the asparagus. Um, 
rice. I don't know that I've ever cooked rice in the crock pot. I don't think that'd make much sense, but it seems to do really well making rice. Um, lasagna. I suppose you could make lasagna in a crock pot, but I don't know if you'd call it lasagna. And it's like like real baked lasagna would be, or does it? I mean, that surprises me. Yeah, does it brown? It uh, well, so it does not brown the top of it. That is that is the one difference, but and that might be a big difference, and you know a lot of people could solve that with a butane torch, but. <laughs> Well, that no, is a serious. that is a well that is a standard thing in a, in in kitchens. Well, it's certainly a standard thing in our kitchen, but I don't know yeah. how many people that are other people use that. So I wouldn't trust my wife with one. <laughs> What's the dessert that has that hard candy crust that they get with a torch? Oh, uh, not creme brulee. Um. Creme brulee, maybe. Yeah. Yes, hardened caramelized sugar on top. So anyway, <clears throat> tell yeah. me about what. So what do you? So do you? So how, what's the process for making lasagna in the uh, in the uh, Instapot? Well, okay, so there's a couple things that uh, probably should be, you know, upfront about with this. My wife got it. My wife has been the one using it each weekend for the last 6 weeks. So I'm finding it extremely easy to clean and use so far. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you so you're but you're the impartial observer too here so i mean you can give us some yeah advice. you're the one being fed so presumably you have an opinion on the output if nothing else <laughs> right no and and my observations were like it just you know the cleaning of it is is much easier and the flavors on things that you put in the fridge overnight and eat the next day um hmm. i can't tell any difference between the two um and just like I said, you, I, I'm, I'm usually not in a rush to make food. So the speed of it really was never a selling idea to me. But just having it done is kind of handy. So Okay. Well, so, but you didn't get to the, uh, the, the really important stuff, the lasagna. What? Is it, well, I, do, I got, mean, do, you, I, do you bake it the same way? I mean, I like, I'm a fan of lasagna, so I mean. Well, I got to it in the sense that, so the last six weeks, my wife has been <laughs> making stuff in the okay. Instapot. So the details of the lasagna, um, I don't have them because I haven't done it. Gotcha. But basically, I mean, you, you, she bought these pans that fit in there, and they're about the height of a standard lasagna. But they're circular, and they fit nicely inside the Instapot. And she puts the lasagna in the pans in layers. And as far as I can tell, she's just putting in the noodles or, well, I guess lasagna, just yeah. layering it in there um, crispy. Oh, wow. So you don't even have to cook the, the noodles? So then you add, add an appropriate amount of water to hydrate yeah. the noodle. Yeah. And that's, that's supposed to be one of the magics magic things about the Instapot is if you're making mac and cheese, you just add mac, you just add water, you just add cheese, you just push the button. You don't have to oh, okay. strain and boil and um, colanderize. It, it just happens. Nice. Well, it sounds kind of awesome. So in any case, you know, the, the, the price of the device was right. It takes up a small amount of space and... I only know of one person who doesn't like it, and that's one of the uh, pair of people we play with in uh, WoW, and uh, 
theirs quit working after the first time they used it, so they didn't like mm. it. Uh-huh. That's understandable. I don't like things that die on me either. <laughs> yes. Well, that's cool. All right. So you're so you're you're saying uh, I'm feeling. I'm feeling bad that I, I still am cooking my rice in a rice cooker now. It seems like I need to get Well, that was one of the things that got to me when he was describing it. I was thinking, you know, we've got a rice cooker, and it sounds like this thing could maybe take the place of a rice cooker. Yeah, theoretically. I mean, I don't, we don't, we've never had a rice cooker. We're not big rice eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was my hesitation, because we're big rice eaters, and I'm not as sure that... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well, do you have a do you have a dedicated rice cooker now, Karen? Yes, I mean we don't use it as often as we used to, but we do have one. Yes. Yeah. So, in a dedicated rice cooker, do you change the ratios of liquid to rice, as contrasted with stovetop or any other way? To tell you the truth, I don't think that the ratios change based on where you're cooking. It depends more on what kind of rice and what kind of result you want. Okay. Well, so Rob, you cook rice you just mm-hmm. haven't done it out another way. so what's your ratio of rice to liquid i use one cup of jasmine rice and then i add two cups of water to that that sounds about right interesting okay so most of the research my wife has done um kind of i don't know i i'm surprised about that because i thought the rice cooker that you guys have probably doesn't let moisture leave as no, a part it of the process. No, that's correct. Somewhere between one yeah. and a, one to one and a half to one to two seems to be about right for um, sealed rice. And jasmine, I think, is a little harder than normal rice. That might. Well, the, like, so the brief research that she did come came back with most people who cook rice on the stovetop. If you use a two to one rate, you know, you, you up your ratio of water basically depending on how hard. It is to cook the rice mm-hmm. because the longer it cooks, the more water you lose. Sure. With, with the Instapot, and a, I assume with a rice cooker, you don't lose really any water. So you change your ratio because of that. Well, it's, I'm sure it's just a matter of, of uh, figuring out the right ratio. And get, how, what's your ratio that you guys are using in the Instapot? Well, the only thing I've done with it is this thing that's called ancient grains, which is just a big mix of, I guess, old rice. Mmm. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it was a sam- they were giving samples away at Costco. It was tasty. Um, but in any case, it uh, the ratio uh, that I used was uh, one to one. So, and uh, that worked out really well, and it cooked it up it has the instapot has all these buttons on the front that apparently most people don't use but one of them said rice and it was an experiment so i just had to try pushing that so it worked and dave i'll tell you is that when i'm cooking rice on the stovetop which i do from time to time because well i'm too lazy to get out the rice cooker <clears throat> about one to two is about what i'm using but i use a tightly sealed pot and see that's the thing my experience with cooking rice is super minimal i'm just going based on what she was seeing and she was seeing this on something called the internet with youtube not not familiar with it no oh i'm familiar with it it's perfectly reliable (laughs) yes that's that's kind of where i was headed with this is you know anybody with a pewter and a connection can say something Hey, write this down. Hmm. This sounds like a good. This could be interesting. Yeah, so, sounds like somebody else that might be in this room. Yeah. All right. Any other uh, any other 
words of wisdom on the Instapot before we move on? Not for now. I uh, Once I actually have a chance to play with a little bit myself, perhaps I'll come back with some more things. But again, it, it's about 100 bucks. I guess, I, oh, here, they have different sizes. It's just my wife and I. The six quart seems kind of large, except for, mm-hmm. you know, we we don't have any problems eating leftovers. We make something on Saturday, and we eat it on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No problem. So if you are okay with leftovers, six quarts the way to go. Eight quart, um, apparently that's not the greatest way to go unless you have a huge family mm-hmm. because it takes a much longer to heat up and get to pressure and do its thing based on, again, that internet thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does this does it come with uh, some pots or do you have to buy custom ones for each thing you buy? Or You said you had to buy lasagna pots or whatever. Those are disposable. Yeah, it it has a it has a no, they're they're not disposable. Oh, they're not. They're okay, rest. I misunderstood. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no. A little stainless steel. I you'd probably look at them and think, "Oh, you're making cheesecake." Um, so it has its its pressure vessel, which is, you know, three all all the sides of the pressure vessel except for the lid. So just, you know, a pan. And then it comes a little uh Rivet or something. So the thing you can put this thing in the bottom of the pan and elevate whatever you're putting in the pan. You can elevate it just a few, uh, like a half an inch, so that you don't have whatever you have in there is not directly on the heating element, and it gives you a place to put a little bit of water. So you put in water, you put the uh, trivet in, you put your like a bowl of eggs, whatever, and that way you're you're steaming the eggs. You're not cooking them with direct. Uh, conductive heat from the actual element. So you could also have like a, if you were making rice, maybe like my rice cooker has like a, a Teflon bowl or whatever pot. You put, it's just, and that's all it has is just this big pot and it's made of Teflon. So yeah, when, when I made rice or when we made rice, I just took a, uh, like a corralware rice uh, cereal bowl. Oh, so you can just put whatever you want in there. It's not, I just, anything that will, uh, except the temperature situation and you don't even have to cover it you just put it in there and then you seal the pressure you know the lid becomes a sealed pressure vessel so you don't have to have a lid on the rice well that's kind of handy that you can just use whatever you've got because then i suppose you could if you got something with a lid you can just put that in the fridge after you're done and don't have to that's cool. You don't have to use the special, specially designed bowls or whatever. No, you don't. The, the reason to buy these specially designed bowls is that they maximize how much you can, you know, these lasagna containers go just slide very nicely into the pressure vessel. You could use something else, but then you'd be cooking very small, you know, much smaller uh, quantities of whatever you're making. So there are reasons to, you know, I mean, my wife got it for free so i think she felt like spending some money on some accessories would mm-hmm. work out but they're not necessary but uh i think you would probably find a few that would be worth having if you ended up using us on a regular basis well as you as you move forward with the instapot lifestyle keep us up to date absolutely so carney you're getting some new light bulbs i hear yeah i'm getting more of the um 2600 lumen 5k light bulbs couldn't find the the single on off one so i'm buying a couple of boxes of um the dimmable ones but they should work just fine in a standard socket for each or is it the the 
apparently the these high output twenty two watt how many are in a box three to a box and I'm getting two boxes and are you actually going to be dimming them or they're just the dimmable ones were the only ones that are available that the latter <laughs> they were just the only ones available and apparently getting any of these twenty two watt LED bulbs is difficult they're just I'm not sure if people aren't buying them or if just people are buying so many of them that they're constantly out of stock. Did you say these were about 20 bucks a piece? Uh, I'm paying $18 for three, so six a piece. Oh, okay. I totally misunderstood that. $6 per. Yes, yes. Plus shipping. I think my whole order for six of them was, actually it was less than $36, so it has to be less than $6 each, even including shipping. I was just because it was like thirty-two something, including shipping. And that's through Alibaba. E, uh, Amazon. Oh yeah, you need that Prime shipping, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. So those are and those are two two hundred. Those are two hundred watt equivalent, right? Yeah, the the box says one hundred and fifty watt to two hundred watt equivalent, but based on the lumens, they're closer to two hundred than to uh, one fifty. Nice. Well, that seems very reasonable for a light that bright. Oh, that's in, that's a much, yeah. So, uh, curious, did you look at the rated life of the dimmable ones versus the regular, and is there a difference? You know, I didn't compare them other than to make sure that it wasn't some pathetically low number. Um, I, I'd have to look into that and get back to you. Okay, and I would imagine that even if they were half, that's still 20,000 hours instead of 4,000 hours. But the, the way that they dim LEDs is just to have them flicker. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't run less current through them. You just run current through them for less amount of time. Really? I wonder how that would work with a standard dimmable socket, which actually reduces the current. Well, i that's my understanding on the dimmables is that, uh, hmm. and, and uh, yeah, what you just said makes perfect sense. And I don't know if the, the guts of the device translate that. I don't know what capacitance bursts or I, or, or maybe what I read was just absolutely wrong. Or I can think of another way to do it. Instead of actually flickering it, what you would do is you'd have only some of the elements lighting in sequence. You could do that pretty easily. Well, I'm sure they've figured it out, or they wouldn't probably be selling them as dimmable bulbs. <laughs> now, that might be a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, our fingers are crossed anyway. <laughs> yeah. But since I'm planning on using them as standard bulbs and, you know, not dimmable, oh, okay. it's, I'm... Yeah, not going to matter. Right. Well, I think in a lot of situations, almost anything's dimmable. It's just how many fire extinguishers you go through at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple of light bulbs dimmed that way back in the incandescent days. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's very quite dim. Not a lot of gray there. It's either bright or yeah. very dim. Yeah, the little blue spots are optional, and they go away after a bit. Right, right, right. All right, so uh, moving on from follow-up, uh, what's uh, what's this about asteroid missions here in the notes? Um, they've released a couple of papers on the the two missions are the Japanese uh, probe that visit, that's visiting, I cannot say, it's Hayukata or something like that, but it's a small asteroid in a near-Earth orbit. And then there's the NASA mission to Bennu, which is a little bit further out, but it's a, another very small asteroid. What's interesting about it is that both those asteroids seem to be rubble piles. 
they're basically based on the the measured density it's actually right around that of water is that they're just loose piles of gravel and boulders and dirt that just came together and that's really interesting because it has implications for both things like asteroid mining and for what that means for if one of these similar some similar to these hits the earth because for both of them to be rubble piles like this seems to indicate that the the just piles of junk type asteroids are a lot more common than we thought and that most asteroids probably aren't solid lumps of matter mm. so when you say kind of when you describe it that way are you saying that they're they're maybe quite easy to pull apart and, yes and pulverize or whatever they've actually probably been pulverized and then all the pulverized pieces came back together again okay and the reason that's interesting it's kind of like a dust ball or something yeah it's just kind of loosely held together yeah and the reason that's important for astro for meteor impacts is that a solid object makes a crater like well um whatchamacallit meteor crater up in is it utah arizona but you know it's basically half a mile across hole in the ground with a nickel iron meteor buried in it um the rubbles they explode up in the atmosphere unless they're very very big and they they do a lot more they're a lot more destructive potentially Mm. upheaval dome is that what you were thinking of Mm -hmm. Upheaval Dome, is that what you were thinking of? Um, no, let me see. Behringer Crater, okay. I think, is its official name. Okay. Well, I think the other thing that was brought up in this con, or, you know, related to this is that we can't just send up, I think the article said, you know, we can't just have Bruce Willis fly up there and nuke the thing because by the time it comes back, gets to the Earth, all the parts will have come back together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? It potentially it happened yes. that fast. Well, wow. depends on how how fast, how big it was, how much you spread them out, and all that sort of stuff. Um, okay, hang on. Meteor crater is a meteor impact crater, approximately thirty-seven miles east of Flagstaff, also known as Barringer Crater. So there. Cool. But but the, yeah, the Bruce, the other thing that's bad about you know if you you do the wrong thing with the nuke, say just before it's about to hit the Earth, instead of getting one meteor hitting you get a shotgun yeah. right exactly yeah hmm so uh so you're saying that the 1998 film armageddon was not a documentary i managed to avoid watching that so oh well, it's got bruce willis billy bob thornton ben affleck's in it for heaven's sake yes and they're 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 astronauts going off to save the world at which point i basically yes. assumed the position kissed my butt goodbye and didn't go see the movie <laughs> It's uh, it's awful. <laughs> yes, yes. But I knew it was going to be before anyone had even seen it. <laughs> yes, it's an awful movie. All right, excellent. Well, one other topic on our list here: um, streaming services. What uh, what streaming services do you guys subscribe to and uh, and enjoy? Do you do it all at once, or do you turn it on and off like a faucet? How does it work for you? Oh, right, Carney, let's start with you. I've got Netflix. That's the only one I've got. I'm thinking about Amazon Prime, but that's for later. And mainly we use Netflix for the DVDs. You know, I, I watch some streaming, oh. but my wife mostly gets DVD packages of TV series, you know, and watches a year's worth of this or that. 
So you're one of the three people that still have that service. <laughs> I suppose. So, uh, so you don't do you don't do the streaming at all. You only you only watch the DVDs. Well, my wife only watches DVD. I I watch some streaming, and in fact, down in the what's good this fortnight is my latest um, streaming thing that I'm watching on Netflix. So, so you know, when we get there, I can bring that up. Awesome, and you're ha- and you're happy with the Netflix? Yeah, software. I'm I'm actually quite pleased with them. I wish that I'd pay more for Netflix if it consolidated some of the other services together. You know, yeah, sure. I um, uh, I'm sure you know. Wait a few years, there'll be some there'll be some people that go out of business and they start consolidating. I yeah, hope so. I uh, wouldn't wouldn't be a bit surprised. Oh, I agree with you. I just wish it happened faster. So what's 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 motivating you to 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 prime? Is there a certain show or superhero shows? Plus, I would like to see the Tick. There's I can't remember the name of it, but there's another show. The um, I believe um, Good Omens is out there. Yeah, that's coming out soon, isn't it? Yeah, so you know, it's just <sighs> I might not keep it, but I might sign up for a while and test out the waters. Yeah, and you get the free shipping on your light bulbs. <laughs> yes, yes, that's very important. <laughs> well, it's seven or eight bucks—that's pretty all right. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt. <laughs> what about what what about you, uh, Fry Dave? What uh, what streaming services do you guys subscribe to? Well, we're currently only with Amazon Prime, which gives us the Amazon service. There, we we were with Netflix since uh, bef- when they only did DVDs. I mean, we I think we were probably with them for at least the last ten years. I don't want to exaggerate and couldn't find our first our first bill, but it's been a long time. But we just canceled them. Um, about about three months ago, mm-hmm. because we just don't need multiple services right now to cover our uh, entertainment needs. So, you know, move back to Netflix probably within six months. But yeah, I didn't see any downside to it. You know, it's one of those that you can flip the switch off. And they, as you're doing it, they say, oh, you know, if you don't, if you come back within a year, we'll keep track of all your records and what you watched and all that stuff. So there's really not much downside of, of turning off the switch. Hmm. No, I agree. I, I'm a big uh, switch turner myself. We do. Uh, we've been, I've been a Netflix subscriber since August of 2000. Um, and... Yeah, it's and I haven't. That's one I have not turned off. We also have uh, Amazon Prime, which has lots of great shows and free shipping, and <laughs> you guys know all that. And uh, but we but we switch on and off uh, HBO, Hulu, um, and I really like uh, I like the switching it on and off thing because you know you watch if turn it on for a month and you can kind of catch up on the five or six shows that you're interested in and then don't need a pad anymore. So much better, much better system than the old uh, cable days. Yeah, for the most part, as long as you know it's not. If you had three people in your household and each one said, "No, I'm going," uh, we've mm-hmm. got to keep service A and B and C. All of a sudden, you're you're not saving much much money. Yeah, yeah. If you had, if I had small, if I had small kid in the house again, it would probably be different, and we'd probably have everything. You know, this is actually really useful for me because, you know, I keep thinking about the switching on and off as being a massive pain. But listening to you guys, that's actually moving me more towards doing this because it sounds relatively painless to get rid of it after you've gotten it for a while. 
it's a, it depends on how you subscribe and every company's different, but I, I actually usually subscribe to both Hulu and HBO through my iPhone, which ah. Apple makes it really easy. Apple has a nice <laughs> little, it has a, well, it's, and, I, and the money's not going to Apple. But. No, no, I, I just heard Carney get a little yeah. sad in the background. <laughs> yes. no, I know. I'm sorry. Just, but, but there's a control, actually the iOS devices have like a little subscriptions list control panel and you can literally just flick a switch and it turns off and you don't have to be on the phone for 10 hours to cancel your cable. Gotcha. But I don't, but I think, but I, I know, uh, I mean, you just turned off Netflix. I, I can't imagine it's much harder than going to a website and just hitting cancel, right? Right. It was extraordinarily smooth. It's very, very easy. And apparently I haven't crushed my cookies since then. Cause when I went there to look at it tonight, they said, welcome back. Would you like to, re- you know, start your subscription back? Um, oh yeah. I would imagine if they lost people's history, they would be, people would, they would lose business because of that. Well, and that's that's what kept me with them during some short periods of time when there really wasn't much to watch. But I thought I thought it was keeping good track of the stuff that I'd watched. Well, two things: one, they said, you know, if you come back within a year, well, you'll still have all the you know keep track of all the things you were watching. Two, over the last three four years, I've noticed that Netflix does a really bad job of keeping keeping track of what I've watched. So. Yeah, they're not particular. They're all about getting you to watch something else new, but it, they don't seem to do a good job of like managing your own queue or anything like that. They used yep. to, but nope, that has gone downhill substantially. Yeah, and I think that's. In, I can only imagine that it's intentional, and they're trying to just you know market to you, and it's irritating. Well, they aren't hitting our demo, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything to compare it to, but I will agree that Netflix, I mean, they do occasionally throw something in you might be interested in that, well, I might be interested in, but there's a lot more misses than there are hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how, I mean, I they think they had an article a while ago when they got rid of it. They Because you, know, you used to be able to give thumbs, thumbs up, thumbs down, or some sort of a rating. Right. They took that away. And they're like, oh, no, we don't need that anymore. We have algorithms. We have, you know, data. We can, but... Uh, like Carney just said, the same thing applies to me. They send me, a, they would send me a recommendation at least once a week, and if they had, a, you know, it was a ten percent success rate, uh, uh, you know, that was about it. See, now I, I remember when the DVDs thing was hot and heavy. That was a big reason that I signed up, is that I could keep track of all the movies that I'd watched. And it seemed like in the mid two thousands, they their their prediction game was really good and sending me those DVDs of movies that they think I would like. That was because it was simple. They weren't trying to tie it into a thousand other things. I think that's where they went off the rails. Yeah, and it was and it was fairly revolutionary at the time, but it was it was super handy. And I don't pay much attention to the recommendations anymore. Yeah, well, it also mattered a lot more then because you had physical That's true. There was some con- DVDs being shipped back and forth, and if you if you ended up with a movie you'd already seen, that might blow your your night or your weekend. Yeah. If you start watching something and then your wife says, "Hey, honey, we've seen this," you're like, "Oh, yeah," <laughs> oh, and then crap. you so then you start watching something else. <laughs> Let's see what's on NBC tonight. Ew. Let's uh, move on to what's been good this fortnight. Does anybody have anything good? I do. 
that they would like to... Oh, excellent. Carney, what do you got for us? I have been started watching a anime series called Gun Gale Online. And I really, really like it. And I think that you two might even like it. I don't know, but again, this is Netflix, so I guess Dave's out of the loop, at least temporarily for this. But um, it's a... It hits a sweet spot with me. It's it's not overly silly, but it's not overly grim either. And the premise is, well, okay, this girl, Japanese girl, she's six foot tall, has self-image issues, because if you're six foot tall girl in Japan, you're a freak, basically. So she starts playing this online game, and in this online game, she can be, get this, short and cute. So, and, you know, that's the reason for her trying it, and it turns into the, it's basically a PvP fest. You know, sounds it's basically like Fortnite, is what it sounds like. But the series gets into the action quickly, and then they, they gradually fill in back details, so you don't have this long, two or three episode long, you know, origin story crap. And the the story itself is good. It's not, you know, it's not silliness or romance clogging everything up constantly it's just a good i don't know how to explain it but some of the enemies you know the they have too much of the he he he's doing this with this and you know the the, the, right, the, right. the love quadrangle kind of thing there's none of that in this so it's just a straight story about you know basically a, somebody finding self-esteem online while having a good time and it's a good story cool fun I will. I have already put it on my Netflix uh, list. I, I, I don't want to call it a queue because it's not. Yeah. But, uh, anyway. At least watch the first episode and see if it sucks you in because it's only going to be about 30 minutes, so not a huge investment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely try. I definitely uh, I'll try it out. See what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Well, and let me throw this out in case anybody besides us ever listens to this. It's a it's a spin-off of or not a spin-off, I guess a shared universe thing with another anime called A Sword Art Online. And that one's definitely on the grimmer side from what I understand. I I thought about watching it but decided not to because of the reviews. It was it's good. It's supposedly very good, but it's also supposedly a little bit on the darker side. Now, have you, speaking of animated shows on Netflix, have you watched Castlevania? No. Yeah, I'm just not interested in the video game franchise movies. No, it's it, well, it's actually a, an animated TV show, series uh, that's pretty pretty good. Nothing like the, I mean, it's not, well, the, I mean, the, the, the game didn't have much of a plot. But, <laughs> so it's, You're saying it's better than the game was. <laughs> I re, I've watched the first season and a half so far, and I really enjoyed it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not my official uh, what's been good this fortnight because Dave's going next. What do you got? What do you got that's good, Dave? Well, I think you might as well go ahead. My uh, I just checked my outbound data cap and I'm hitting it, so I'm going <laughs> to <No>. stop. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the magicians on on available on Netflix. Uh, I've been tempted. Has been good this this fortnight. Uh, we've uh, we've my wife and I have watched seasons one and two. We just started. Season three, we watched an episode uh, earlier today, and it's quite good. Uh, it gets better. The, the the season one's good. Season two's good. Season three so far is almost great. And I know they're doing uh, – season four is being broadcast right now on the Sci-Fi Channel. 
uh, quite good. And it's it's much more than uh, Harry Potter with sex. It's uh, it's 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 kind of a combination of science fiction and fantasy. Let me ask this: How dark would you rate it as being? Um, I don't know that it's. Well, I mean, it's not any certainly not any darker than Harry Potter. I okay, mean, there's bad guys and there's evil things and people die and there's magic and you know, uh-huh. I mean, there's some people that have some sexy fun, but it's not. <laughs> and that would be on the good side. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. It's not any worse than a PG thirteen movie or anything like that. It's certainly not like, it's not like scary or, or, or I wouldn't even say it's. It's not even as dark as it's not even as dark as Legion or something like that. You know, I was gonna say scary isn't so much the issue with me as I just don't like things that I'm. I'm not into sad or stressful or anxiety inducing movies. Well, I mean, there are some characters that are sad. I mean, sad things happen. Uh, happy things happen. It, it, I'd say if you watch the first episode, you'll the tone doesn't change that much. Okay. Tell you what, you watch the first episode of Gun Gale Online, then you can use that as a benchmark for whether it's yeah. darker or lighter than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Uh, well, great. Well, that was that was a nice discussion. Um, so, if you guys want to contact us. We are at Dedicated Nerds at twi- on Twitter, uh, also DedicatedNerds at gmail.com, or visit the website DedicatedNerds.net. Thanks for a great conversation. Thank you, Dave. Have a good night. Thank you all. Carney, same to you. Have a good night, sir. Good night, everyone. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>